Do you see the picture I texted you? I, I mean, he's what a, a dreamboat. He's a stallion. No way around it. Did you see that look? I mean, he's just like, he could melt the coldest hearts. Toying with him now. <laughs> hey, Caitlin. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm excited about today's episode. Okay. What do we got? Well, we were going to do Racket Magazine issue number three, which I'm delighted to do at any point. But we have so much to talk about, we're going to bump it. Big week. Big week for tennis. Break, uh, like as big as big a, a news week as, as it can be in a non-slam scenario, I think. I mean, we're not even going to talk about uh, Ilya Nastasi and how he said some bullshit to some ladies uh at fed cup we're not we're not even touching on that we're not really going to touch on the controversial monte carlo line call mm-hmm. that cost david goffin his lead uh on nadal which then nadal went on to win his record 10th tournament we're not even going to talk about any of that stuff instead we're just dealing with blowback ramifications of our last episode who knew <laughs> who knew who knew after three years how many years have we been doing this years of years. doing this finally the public has taken notice and they don't like what they're hearing <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right all right so let's uh let's get us rolling with the bad news okay so the bad news for me this is great news for you actually mm-hmm. uh and i i just want to tell you i i'm gonna issue like like a lengthy apology um you were right about about the Nick Curious. Yeah. Nick, you were so yeah, right. This is a <laughs> this is this is an enormous upset because I, I don't think I've ever pronounced uh, a last name correctly until right now. And it just happens happens to be the one that we're being judged on. So I feel very, very fortunate. And not only was I wrong about that, I was wrong about uh Euro, which is more upsetting for wow. me, really. Because I've been ordering the wrong thing for years. That that means every time you've ordered one, you've walked out of the place and they've just laughed and laughed. I can see this moment. Uh, I want you to read part of the incredibly thoughtful and diplomatic email that I received on this subject. Just listening to the hard cast curious pronunciation more, and I feel like I might be useful here. I speak a little modern Greek. Who doesn't? Assuming Nick pronounces it traditionally, that G is silent. It should be Kyrios and Yero. I feel like a pedantic douche, but pronunciation shit is tennis is hard enough, and I have a very specific set of skills. Thanks for the amazing podcast, Zach. So thank you, Zachary Hertz. You are not, in fact, a pedantic douche. I'm humbled that you know you took the time to correct yeah. me. Um, you're humbled. I'm humbled. I remain humbled. Um, so heretofore, Nick will be known as correctly pronounced Greek curious. And I just want to say something. I have a pretty, I have a look, I have a little bit of a look that yeah. like sometimes people find hard to place. And I went to Greece once and an old lady once stopped me on the street. Like, she was like, oh, you Greek, right? And I was like, oh, no, I'm not Greek. No, thank you. But, I, you know, it's flattering, right? She was like, you Greek. Oh. Yeah. Wow. What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know. Is there, okay. do you, do, well. First, uh, let's give uh, Zach some uh, some credit for his Taken reference thrown in there right at the end. I really like that <laughs> a lot. You have a very specific set of skills. Next bit of mail. Next bit of mail. Um, holy moly, did we incite a riot pretty much with our conversation about best hair in tennis. Uh, I totally neglected uh, my favorite guy who I can't believe I didn't talk about because I love talking about him, Sangha. Yep. Sangha has had in every iteration of his hair, like the high and tight, the like sort of Caesar kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. George Clooney a la uh, From Dust Till Dawn, <laughs> then the current like very sort of like um, natural uh, like mini puff. It's awesome. His hair is amazing. I mean, 
Sanka is like the best looking player on tour of either gender, I believe. But more importantly, tennis Twitter got their teeth into this and was so right on the money talking about basically our Twitter became the uh, definitive best look ever of Serena. Everybody wow. yeah. like for me, proud, it was her redheaded wins of, of Melbourne 2005. There was a headband from like 1999. We're talking like the gold scrunchie when the Olympics like again, uh, you know, judge for yourself. Yeah. Reasonable people can disagree about Serena's hair for sure. But but they have to agree that she's definitely got the best, which, you know, maybe like Naomi Saka's up there. We had a big piece about her in the second issue of Racket. We specifically chose an illustrator who was skilled at drawing hair, and I feel like we nailed it, actually. So mm-hmm. much so, actually, fun fact, that Naomi Saka uses the illustration from Racket Magazine as her Twitter header. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit, that's great. Yep, winning over yeah. the minds and hearts of the tennis community. One <laughs> hair illustration at a time. <laughs> a Caitlin Thompson story. Yeah. Okay, while we're on so, the subject of Serena, holy moly. Biggest, biggest tennis story of the year, for sure. I'm, I'm like mostly kidding, but not entirely, because, uh, well, we can get to it. But Serena Williams is... Very pregnant. pregnant. Very pregnant, yeah, right. Like, she's not just not just over the line here. She's full-on pregnant. Yeah, no, she's really doing it, and she's going to have a baby in the fall, and then she's out for the rest of the year. Now, at this point, this is old news. Everyone's talked about it. Everybody, you, you know what this means. Uh, mathematicians among us have deduced that she was pregnant while she won the Australian Open. Yep. yep. Which, you know, basically means, like, every man should shut up about everything ever if she can to... win a <laughs> Grand Slam while pregnant. Which, yep, you know, well, I... And not not just a grand slam, but to break the record for number of slams while pregnant. That is just that's a fucking high bar for oh, yeah. whatever comes next. I mean, yeah. she sets her own high bars and then she breaks them. So, a uh, Serena Williams yeah. story. Now, it's come to my attention that you, and this is a sensitive subject for me, but you uh, you tend to enjoy when my wife comes on the show. <laughs> well, she's <clears throat> she is electric. I'm a radio and podcast professional, and I can tell you, as someone who listens to tape all day, that Claire is podcast gold she podcast is just gold. electric on tape so wow. any excuse to have her on this feels like a good reason okay well would you like me to get her sure please now everyone keep in mind my wife is not a tennis player a tennis fan certainly a friend of the pod not i'm not sure if she's a fan of the pod uh and her name is claire and she's very difficult so stand by and she might she's definitely a better presence in the pod than i am according to my co-host so thanks a lot all right give me one minute i'll, I'll see what she's up to hold on Chris? Claire. Hey, how are you? Good. How you been? All right. So are you and Caitlin going to be on at the same time? I don't think so. She left oh. me in here alone with the headphones. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> well, then, Claire, let's... Um, Chris, I'm all by myself. Let's do this thing. So, okay. Okay. So big news from last week. Uh, Serena okay. Williams is pregnant. I know. Oh, it's so okay, spectacular. So, so so first broad strokes what are your what what take take me back to the moment you found out she was pregnant was it instagram twitter your wife it was my wife she's she's usually the person who keeps me up to speed with the things that most of the rest of the world already know um, okay. oh, so that's your relationship dynamic kind of. yeah 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 okay. yeah 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 i'll come home and it's like an entire day of the internet has passed and she gets to tell me everything fresh i think it both horrifies and delights her you know right exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. I see that. I see that. Um, um, anyway, I'm, so, I'm thrilled to bets, obviously. Yeah, sure. I mean, what a, what a spectacular woman to, to make another of. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking um, you do play tennis with 
Caitlin pretty frequently. You guys have gone on like vacation, like tennis vacations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We like to mm-hmm. go to this uh, little place upstate um, where I am in the beginner's group and she's in the group that like goes away to their own special courts and makes everyone else feel bad. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> oh, perfect. But then Claire, we grilled, Claire, then, we, then we have lunch together. So, okay. You know, All right. yeah. well, that sounds nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so seeing as you're no stranger to a court, I wanted to ask you, Oh, we should also establish that you have given birth to a child. Um, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I have. <laughs> Let's get this. I feel like you're on the witness stand. Have you or have you not <laughs> given birth to a child? Okay. So, uh, so you've given birth to a child. Mm-hmm. You've played tennis. Yeah. How far into a pregnancy do you think <laughs> someone could play a competitive tennis match? I mean, for me, it was like zero days. I actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but Although... like. Although, you know, Chris, I remember reading when I got pregnant a story about this college basketball player who, like, literally played an entire season of college basketball, like, seven months pregnant, uh, which is actually, I think, even more amazing in many respects, given that basketball can be a contact sport. Um, Yeah, but for me, I tried to play tennis a couple of times when I was pregnant. Well, I'm also, like, have an anxious personality, so I was like, I'm I'm twisting too much. (laughs) I see. Right, right. Right. Uh, So you were kind of in your head about it. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. But, you know, so basically I was, like, an inch away from winning the Australian Open while pregnant, is what I'm saying. (laughs) And so, so like, do you think it would be, yeah, I think most people (laughs) wouldn't, but, like, like I was thinking, would would it be better to be, would it be easier to play week three early on with morning sickness or like week three second trimester where you get the little of the euphoria but you are showing more <laughs> which is better <laughs> i think def- i think definitely the former i my new assistant do you think it's possible she didn't know maybe but i, I kind of don't want to countenance that because i want to believe <laughs> i want to believe that she, she was like all right it's just another just, yeah, another, just another day just, just another day, day. yep yeah, I but yes, probably. totally possible. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what else about the former first trimester, which I I hadn't considered until this moment, is that you're completely exhausted, like right, the right. most exhausted you've ever been in your life. So maybe I'll change my vote. Maybe I'll move to second trimester. Right, early second, early, early, second, early second, early second. I think exactly. that's that's the way to go. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Could you? <laughs> let's make sure we let's make sure we pass this advice along to Serena for next time. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's so weird. Like, do, is there any part, part part of you that's sad that like this is going to mark the end of her, uh, this phase of her career? I mean, it would be what the hell? Who knows? I mean, Federer's still going. Maybe she'll come have three kids, come back at forty, and win a slam. But like, yeah, yeah this yeah. is the end of something for sure. I I I don't. I choose not to believe that. Okay. I choose not to believe that. I feel like she's obviously a superhuman. She's uh, proven that and has now proven it doubly. Yep. And um, what's her name had that baby and came back like five years, ladies, and won slams? That's right. Oh, uh, didn't Daddy she beat Hort? Serena in a slam? Maybe. No, no, no. The other one. Clysters. Um, uh, yes, exactly. Clysters. It was the one where Serena told a ball girl that she was going to shove the ball down her throat i think you may remember i think, uh, so. I think so see when she's a parent um, it'll be harder to behave that way <laughs> but i mean age obviously is a factor but you yeah. know I, you know she needs one more right she needs one more to be alone in alone i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which i think she would prefer <laughs> so you think that's that wait wait does she need one, one more to be alone you guys are the experts caitlin will come back on and fact check me 
She sure she sure will. So okay, so she stops playing at the end of her second. How <laughs> soon could she go back to the court, knowing what you know? What would be the earliest? Like a month, two months, three months? I, I mean, for me, I would have said six months, but um, <laughs> again, <laughs> okay. given given the relativity we've already established, I mean, I'd say two months. I'm going to say two, two months. months. Yeah. Two months. Okay. Two months. Two months to get back onto the practice court, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that would be when, pretty When does she do? When does she do? Uh, so she was 20 weeks last week. Mm-hmm. So that would be what? Like so like another five months, yeah. So yeah. like September. So yeah. she could, in fact, come back and win the Australian Open again next year. Totally. Oh, that would be amazing. Would I think she's pre- pretty well set up. It's. I mean, it's horrible to have children, right? But uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, she's pretty well set up. Yeah, uh, she'll have like eight nannies. Yes, she'll have eight nannies. She has a, yeah. a phenomenally wealthy husband right. who has can probably make his own schedule like i think she's in pretty good shape if she really wants it to come back yeah 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 yeah. 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 i think so she's got okay. some sisters they're gonna help yep totally totally they're gonna be really happy ants you know that's substantive <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> all right oh, so, god i hope this prediction comes true so we have we have decided that she could play into early second trimester that like mm-hmm. not her, but just ge- ge- generally, and that mm-hmm. after a month she could probably come back. Two months, um, two months, Chris. two months. Okay, two months. Two months. Yeah. Come back yeah. and be the best person at her sport. That's right. <laughs> <In the world>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after two months. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, um, uh, I think so too. Maybe she'll win a Super Bowl as well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Claire. Well, uh, this has been a pleasure as always. Oh, it's uh, been a pleasure with you, Chris. I love these these times we share. It is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, Okay, so on the show, this episode, we've been talking a lot about um, the backlash to our most recent episode. Um, And by backlash, I mean very um, funny and well-intentioned conversations we've engendered. Um, So we've talked a little bit about hair. We've talked a little bit um, about pronunciation I think we're, we're, our course is set there. Um, and lastly, we, I started by throwing a major grenade at, um, Cincinnati and then immediately, as Chris noted, backtracks basically to where I've committed myself to showing up in person. <laughs> right. Caitlin is registered so, to vote in Ohio as of right now. Yeah. I'm now in a, I'm doing this podcast from Ohio, everyone. Um, so, uh, among the a couple of things I heard from um, Ohio wins or Ohio backers um, was a really stirring defense and, you know, at times very nice um, comments. I, I'll read one from John Lorenz, um, who said there was a semi-sarcastic mention in your last episode that you'd receive a bunch of hate mail from Cincinnati for the derogatory comment. I'm not sure how many people exist within the intersection of the Venn diagram of main draw listeners and Cincinnati residents. (laughs) And in case I'm the only member of that subset, I'd hate to disappoint your expectations for arousing defense of my hometown and pushback to your comments. Basically, John goes on to say, yes, there are elements of Cincinnati and more specifically Mason that are underwhelming, particularly um, the food but that the tournament is really lovely, you know, uh, it's run really well. The facilities are great on par or better than a lot of other similar sized tournaments. And everyone is, you know, really happy to be there. And so on that same note, um, we are joined by Valerie David, who is uh, one of the founders of Tennis Inside Out, 
um, who also responded to our Cincy provocations. Um, and I invited her to come on the show. So Valerie, welcome. And thank you for joining us. Oh, um, thank you very much for, for having me. I, I, do I get to launch a Cincinnati defense? Please. <laughs> Please yes. If you should, you should be so inclined. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is the big thing about Mason is not really a happening town. Um, and what we've, what we found after we've been going there for years is that there is the, we started staying in a hotel on the West side where they've now built up and there's a lot more restaurants and hotels and things over there. And, and, and my husband also found a back way into the tournament that avoids like the hour of traffic that you run into, um, whenever the tournament is on. <laughs> So we've, we've been enjoying that. Um, but yeah, the tournament itself, honestly, that's really my experience with Cincinnati tournament is the tournament itself because we get there at like nine o'clock in the morning and leave at, you know, midnight, um, uh, pretty much until they kick us out. Uh, and it's really, a, a fun tournament in that they embrace, uh, the fans. Um, you can get really close to the players on the practice courts. Um, and then they have the players entrance where, you know, people can get autographs and things like that. Um, so it's, it's, it is just a nice atmosphere. It's gotten a little more crowded in the last couple of years, which, which makes those fan interactions sometimes mm -hmm. a little complicated. Um, but they're actually working on that. There's some more expansion. There's that, they're going to create a larger court for the big name players, um, for practices. Um, and it's going to have expanded seating, which was sorely needed. Um, and, it, and you know, it sounds like people like, you know, this tournament is like very, very well attended for being in flyover country. My apologies. But, you know, just yeah. to use the parlance of our times. <laughs> my apologies. Wow. <laughs> my apologies for my own incredibly blistering assholiness. Um, you know, like this is a this is I, I so I have been told that this is like a much better experience in person um, than, you know, I, going to the US Open is not that great, to be totally honest. It's not that fun. It's it's a wash with people and it's hard to, you know, feel like you're seeing something special or experiencing it intimately. And that's definitely it sounds like what what Cincy is known for. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's a. Uh... Court nine is a particular favorite. It's in the shape of a bowl. And um, you can sit right down in the front and the player is like, you you're practically can touch them. Um, one of the first matches we attended there, um, the match was over. My husband actually had tennis ball fuzz on his shirt. Wow. <laughs> wait. Wow. Because it was, wait, there were so many balls. Because being so close wow. to the action, it was it was a Lepchenko Babosh match actually, and they were just basically blowing the cover off the ball. And uh, we he actually had fuzz on his shirt because you're that close to the action. And um, there's something about it. They put a lot of the good matches. It's not it's you know lower ranked players, but it's like those uh, you know like uh, popsicle uh, Dimitrov you know match. Um, and yes, I know his name is Pop. No, no, still we are we are right there with uh, you. Keep going. Yeah, Popsicle no is definitely the. This is the podcast you yeah. can say that. For sure. Yeah, Popsicle Nisha. That's pretty much how I would normally say it. Um, they put those kind of matches on there, you know, like good doubles matches and stuff like that. And so the atmosphere is always fantastic. Um, that was the thing that impressed me about Cincinnati too, is that. Um, you kind of you do have the people that are there that don't know what's going on, but there are a lot of fans with a high tennis IQ 
And so there are these matches that you know are good, but the casual fan usually doesn't. And you go to the court and it's packed and everyone's totally excited about it. Um, so that's what's nice, too, is it's it's not only is it busy, but it's a lot of people who love all aspects of tennis and not just where Spetter are playing. Right. Um, yeah. And that's like definitely the vibe you get at the bigger tournaments, which is like everyone head to toe and like Roger Federer yeah. here, which yeah. if there's one thing I like less than the Midwest, it's douchebags for sure. <laughs> and I should say I went to college in the Midwest. So and so did Chris, I did. Actually. We both play tennis in the Midwest. Um, yes. And so maybe this will be our chance to go back. Um, the the stirring defense, and I kind of want to fact check this with you um, from John, uh, talked about how, um, you know, the value, the closeness, all the stuff that you're saying, Valerie, basically. The nearby centers of Loveland and Mason are not without their small town charms and even have de- decent bars and restaurants, you know. And so, and he said he once saw Robbie Ginepri eating at a Waffle House. Um, oh, yeah. That's that's the key detail. Is there a Waffle House like in I in eyeshot of this? Uh, you know what? I don't do Waffle House, so I can't I can't tell you that. Um, the the yeah, you can, Google you can check into that. <laughs> um, I did see Cole Schreiber in a Cracker Barrel. Um, that that's even at, better. Cole Schreiber in a Cracker Barrel. What that. the hell? And that and I, I remember being wow. being extremely furious that he and his team were all eating toast. And Cracker Barrel's big thing is biscuits and cornbread. It's like the best thing ever. Yeah, if you're going to have a starch, yeah, you can't right go one. wrong. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but Applebee's wow. is the big, big restaurant. I mean, it's hilarious. It's this, you know, chain restaurant. But it's where all the players eat because it's right next to the player's hotel. Caitlin, we got to go to <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, like all these tour players in an Applebee. Yes, it is. It's awesome. I saw um, David Ferrer in there after he played the final against uh, Federer, and just sitting there with his team and people coming up to him and asking for pictures and you know telling him how great a tournament he played and stuff. And what is so, he like? You know, swigging like a Budweiser like diesel bottle. Like that's pretty cool. Not, like that's not at all. <laughs> no, no. The players are usually pretty stringent. In fact. Um, uh, one of my friends actually tried to buy Tommy Robredo a drink and he was sure. just having, you know, seltzer or something like that. It was like, he was like, thank you. But you know, no, I'm not, you know, can't really have anything. But, um, <laughs> Boris Becker was of course drinking uh, and sure. that was when Djokovic that, wasn't God. even there yet. <laughs> hey, he, he's got that puffy face to maintain Valerie. It <laughs> doesn't puff itself. It's pure <laughs> whiskey and hubris. <laughs> he doesn't wake up like that. It looks like it. No. Um, <laughs> he doesn't indeed. So I just want to say, I, you know, I want to thank you because now we've committed ourselves um, and maybe we can, you know, meet in person there. But also you kept listening despite the fact that our podcast both dissed Cincy and your favorite player. And not only did I diss your player, favorite player once, um, I dissed her twice in two episodes. The only two I gather you've listened to. So maybe um, if you ever want to care, you know, care to sample the back catalog, you might find more to your liking. But um, it's, of course, Caroline Wozniacki. So really, I had almost nothing for you. And yet <laughs> here you are in, in the spirit of tennis and friendship. So thank you for that. Um, can, can you tell me a little bit about your reaction to my, um, my, my Caroline uh, personal affront? kind of situation well it's a it's a common reaction uh, is it uh, the, about her being a, a you know a pusher and 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 that kind of not liking her tennis style and uh, i i just 
really fell in love with her like right at the start of watching her play because my thing was always like she never let a ball go and mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. would do anything and every you know it wasn't boring it's like sometimes you watch a match and it just dunk 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 it's like um i've noticed that because i photograph a lot of players now that's a big thing that i do for the website and you start to notice when you're taking a thousand pictures of somebody that every picture is the same you know they huh. always hit their backhand the same they always yeah. hit their you know there's like three shots that they hit and then you know obviously if you have somebody like Federer or someone like that there there's a more of a variety but caro is another one that it's you have no idea what she's going to do you know she's going to be backwards you know she's facing the wrong side of the court when she hits it you know she'll it'll be like a half flailing shot or whatever but it's like she has to get to that ball and so it's really exciting for me to watch her because i i think she's it's it's weird to me that people kind of consider just this boring defensive player and i find it exciting because it's like what is she going to do next to get this ball back and so that was kind of what i liked her tenacity and that was what i really enjoyed about her and so everything that you just said um is a very good takeaway for me that I will now try to apply to my viewing of her because I certainly don't like not liking a tennis player. I it's right. not, like I don't I don't root against people usually. There's just some that are you know that are in this one um, in particular. Like I explained, um, it it felt very personal given my own tennis backstory. Was that at all um, understandable? Oh for you? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It? I never begrudge anybody not liking a player. Um, because it is, to me, it's such a per- is personal thing. It's like some players I can easily explain why I like them. And then other times it's like, well, why do you like watching this? And it's like, I don't know. I just do. And, you know, like sometimes you like a volatile personality on one person and not on someone else. And it's like, you can't really explain why. So even if I don't agree with sometimes about someone, if they like or dislike a player, I, I never want to, you know, hate on them because you know we don't have the exact same view so yeah but i do think just to close the thought that like sometimes people can be like more or less charitable in their views like and i'm trying to be like okay well that's not for me you know what i mean no i just wondered where you each stood on aggie radwanska right because she's sort of i don't know uh in that mold of like you don't know what's going to happen shot by shot caitlin let's start with you do you like her not really, but I do like her version of that a little bit better. Hmm. I think because it's a little bit more improvisational. Although Valerie, I'm I'm really going back in my mind and trying to like apply a new filter to my Caroline Wozniacki viewpoint. <laughs> I think for me, like what I what I don't like about Caroline Wozniacki a little bit is that it seems like it's a little safe. Right. And that's that's the issue that I have. It's not that she's consistent. And I in fact like her you know, in thinking, in hearing you describe it, I was thinking like, yeah, she's incredibly athletic actually. And like, she's hitting a lot of these shots in very sort of improvised positions, but it's not, it's not as aggressive as I would like, I guess. And uh, Radvanska, even though she plays a very similar game, it's a little bit more aggressive. And I think that that's like a, a, a real point in her favor. Valerie, please tell me, does she sort of line up favorably with, with your, your love of Waz? Yes, absolutely. Um, she's she's in my Polish princesses category. <laughs> oh wow! Right. Yes, Mary. Oh man. Uh, with Kerber as well. I was gonna say, um, is Kerber in there? Because she's yes, actually pretty Polish, and she's very she's more gotten a lot more gr- aggressive too. Um, yeah, but I, she's I like a counterpuncher. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, they're not. In, I find them all different. You know, they all have their kind of own subtle differences. And Aga, yeah, Aga to me is kind of in a class by herself. 
I, I don't really think there's any other player like her. Uh, I'm kind of always surprised that she gets put in that defensive category, but I guess it's kind of like if you don't have a 100-mile-an-hour forehand, you're considered a defensive player. Um, yeah. So I and, – and I mean, and that – honestly, people who are fans of Wozniacki, that's sometimes a frustration for us as well. I mean, because we love her talent, but it's like, you know, she runs up to the net, it's like, hit the forehand. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? End it. Finish him. Sweep the yeah. leg. And, you, you know, know, and then she kind of just sort of lope, you know, has this kind of lopey style and just sends it over. And you're like, ah. So, I mean, you can like a player and still see their flaws. But um, Aga, you know, she's like hot shot of the week every week. Totally. She wins all of those, like, best shot of the year, best shot of the month. Yeah. And deservedly so. I mean, nobody's doing. Like, I, the one that she won last year was, like, WTA's shot of the year. It was, like, a behind-the-back, like, wrist flick across the net passing shot or something. It was just, like, you don't. Like, you don't even practice that joking around in practice. It's just, like, somebody with, like, unbelievable body and court sense, yeah. you know, who treats their racket. Um, okay, so you've given this a lot of thought. You have a Polish princess category. And to be clear, anybody who is listening to this who doesn't um, know these names, Caroline Wozniacki, of Polish descent, represents Denmark. Angelique Kerber represents Germany, but it was born in Poland, or at least trains there, and her parents are there and speaks fluent Polish. And you've obviously given some thoughts, so take us down your weird rabbit hole here. Um, well, really, it's one of those things, again, about it being a personal thing. Um, I'm one quarter Polish. Um, so... <laughs> Me too, Valerie. Keep going. Well, all right. Solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was kind of an interesting thing when I started really getting into tennis hardcore. Because, like, you know, we played as a family when I was kids and stuff like that. And we watched a little on TV. But it's only been in, like, you know, since around, like, 2011 that... I was hardcore and, you know, really watching tennis and getting to know all the players. And um, one of the things that I kind of picked up is, you know, it's so international and you see a lot of, uh, you know, European players and everything. And I kind of realizing like, these are my people. I, I kind of felt more connected to them than I do to the Americans. It's like, I can't. Oh, I a hundred percent relate to that. I, you know, I, I were kind of like, not typical Americans. I mean, my dad actually is first generation American. He came over. Um, he was from Lithuania, but he was born in Germany on the way over here. And they were mm -hmm. in a, you know, internment camp for four years waiting to come to America. So mm. um, we, we've kind of got that old world, uh, you know, and my mom's side's only like second, third generation American. So um, I've st noticed that when I started watching tennis, I kind of felt an affinity with Polish players and Latvian. Yeah, I was really excited about Golbis. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, a Baltic player. Oh, my God. You yeah. and a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. And I you know, really adore Ernie. Um, but, yeah, so it's it just kind of actually it started with Wozniak and I just kind of started calling her a uh, uh, Polish princess. That's part of the thing with our website and Twitter is I kind of have funny nicknames for people. Um, but it did started to become a thing where it's like, then it's like, oh, you know, Aga fits in here really well too. And, and Kerber. So it's just, it's kind of just a, a grouping by nationality, but there's just something in them that I'm drawn to. I like their, honestly, like personal style off court too. I like their personalities mm -hmm. and then I like the way they play. So sure. they're just, they're just my, I said, my, my princesses. <laughs> Your princesses. That's so funny. Chris, do you have, are you, do you feel like a solidarity with any particular tribe of player? 
this is a really interesting contract. I want to I want to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, there have not been many great Irish professional <laughs> tennis players. Oh yeah, see that's tough. Yeah, because like Lithuanian, there's there's not a lot. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Really, just about no. I mean, I guess Andy Murray, like Andy Murray's like uh, dour sort of mood disorder kind of vibe on the court. I relate to that fa- <laughs> family wise. <laughs> you do. You really have a personal connection I do. with his dark side. I think. Like I totally, I totally see the self-loathing there and it's a very exciting when he overcomes it. <laughs> I enjoy that part of Andy Murray matches, but, uh, no, uh, outside that Caitlin, you. Yeah. I definitely don't relate to any of the Americans really. I mean, I worship at the altar of Serena because she's just awesome, but not actually her game. Like I'm more of like a old world slice and dice. Like, I don't know. I had a French girlfriend for a while and it was like, not even like that big of a relationship, but I feel also I'm from Montreal. So like I see like somebody hitting like a one handed backhand and a French accent and it's like, forget it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I, we talked a little bit on the last episode about Benoit Pair, who, by the way, I forgot somebody sent me a picture of his menswear grooming line. He endorses like, like um beard oils in uh france which is like the best i have to show you this picture valerie it's unbelievable he's like staring into the middle distance and it's yeah. called beer wash shampooing <laughs> barbe and it's called beardalyzer and it's just like unbelievable um you know i really i get i get pumped for that i feel like that's like tennis to me is basically french and it should be played with like a one-handed backhand and a cigarette dangling from your mouth (laughs) and so that those players and i when they have their angst and their drama i feel like i totally relate to that you know yeah no i i love pretty much all of the french players um i think that's uh, sometimes too, it's it's a, not necessarily just cultural; it's personalities that you get attracted to. And I love all the head cases. I mean, yeah, I can identify with that <laughs> totally. And and that is true. It's like when they when they overcome that, you know, losing their minds mid match, which you know Benoit is a particularly good example of. Oh um, man, I love it. I'm, you know, the only thing I don't love about Benoit is his beard. So. Um, oh, you're not a beard fan. Oh, I can't stand it. I'm just, you know, do you like beards in general or just something about his beard or pretty, um, pretty much don't like beards in general. I like Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. the the handsome faces and Benoit is gorgeous. And so I don't understand why why he has a muskrat on his face. I, wow. It's driving me crazy. (laughs) Fair. I mean, that jawline is, it can't be denied. It shouldn't be. And, and I don't know if it is, there's, there's not that many, uh, pictures anymore of him without a beard at all but weirdly when he doesn't have the beard he's like all eyes he just has these beautiful captivating <laughs> eyes <laughs> well um it sounds like you and i need to um sit courtside in cincinnati and really take <laughs> take in that um that 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 jawline or at least convince him to shave it off in person because you know apparently we can get that close what do you think i that sounds like a perfect idea to me i love it <laughs> Uh, Chris, next week we talk Racket Magazine issue three. Issue three. The best issue. Until then, let's hope the uh, tennis world keeps its shit together. (laughs) Congrats, Serena. On two or three separate occasions, you've, like, said something and then tagged it with, like, but I'm a confirmed lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Like, a couple times. It's, like, our, like, reverse no homo. No homo. No homo. (laughs)